Welcome everybody to Black Coffee and Theology. Hello everybody, welcome to the pod. Welcome. (laughs) So today on the pod, we're going to be talking about reading the Bible during a pandemic. (laughs) And how to do that. And to do that. I am going to be talking to Brent Rice. (laughs) And so Brent Rice is a pastor. He's a hip-hop head, a philosophy and theology nerd. Hey, those are his words, not mine. (laughs) And he's also an entrepreneur. And we're going to be talking a bit about his business. And it has something to do with black coffee and theology. (laughs) right? And so... I'm excited uh, for you guys to hear this conversation with this brother. He's a blessing. And later in the pod, you're going to hear a bit of scripture reading, right? And it's from Psalm 119. So sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation. everybody welcome back to the pod and i am joined by special guest brent rice welcome (laughs) brother Uh, pleasure to be here i'm excited to be here man hey i listen brother i i met you through the twitter streets i (laughs) i'm gonna keep plugging the twitter streets because Mm -hmm. There's this notion that social media is only toxic or Mm. mostly toxic. And obviously we know the toxicity that is social media. Yeah. However, additionally, there is this stream of people that I have met and interfaced in life that have been such a blessing and in that uh blessed flow has flowed Brent Rice and wow. so <laughs> no I I've, I I initially saw you commenting on posts and that's usually how I mm-hmm. first start seeing people and I usually try to ascertain is this mm-hmm. is this person making sense uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> what they talking about let me peruse through this and yeah. uh i've really enjoyed interacting with you uh bit by bit over these months uh especially in lockdown we've had nothing yeah. but time yeah <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the pod you are multi-talented and wow one thing that i think i especially want to highlight is you have a coffee venture that you launched and i i would be remiss to not mention it because (laughs) the show is called black coffee and theology so yes um oh with that said can you give us just a a few words about who you are, what's important to you, and how you show up in the world as we get ready to dive into this conversation. Yeah. Um, For me, showing up in the world is, 
uh, here as of late is a place of authenticity, um, being authentic and fully who you are <clears throat> and who God created you to be. Um, and doing that from a place of joy, um, a place of uh, happiness and a place of rest. And so that's essentially like how I show up in the world. Um, telling myself that I don't have to live in this world from this place of survival every single day. Um, it's something that really hit me like a ton of bricks. And uh, about a month, about a month ago, um, I was cleaning my garage and I just felt the Lord just say, hey, you don't have to be in this survival mode um, like you have been for the past several years. Um, you can you can rest. Um, I live life for at least a, a good decade kind of with just my head hand to the plow head down grinding it out um just feeling like every everyone is depending upon me for their survival and and my and I didn't have time for joy I didn't have time to do things that excited me I didn't feel like I had permission to rest I feel like I didn't have permission to be happy it was just grind, 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 and make sure that the people that live with you are taken care of. And so um, basically, you know, of course, kind of the obvious I am, you know, I'm a husband to a beautiful, beautiful queen, uh, Krista, we've been married for eight years going on nine, I'm a father uh, to a wonderful son, uh, Josiah, he is six, and uh, also a pastor out of a church, and a man of several, uh, well, not a, the pastor, one of the pastors, um, at a church here in Kansas City, and um, also a man of several several hobbies as well. So that's kind of how I show up in the world, just being authentically myself and learning. I'm, I struggle with it, but I'm still learning how to find joy uh, in life and be and be okay with people knowing all of me and the real me. So I love that. Mm. Ooh, come on. Uh, give <laughs> What what's one of those hobbies? Just so I know before I introduce oh. the, the topic. Just I, yeah. I'm curious. So around Kansas City, uh, I do spoken word poetry, and so that's one of the hobbies that I like to do. I haven't performed as much, actually, at all, really, since the pandemic has has hit. Um, but going to various open mics around town, performing and slamming and all that good stuff is something that I enjoy to do as well. Should I ask you to perform here? Um, so, uh, <laughs> no, no, so for uh, what's on the table today is we are going to be talking about reading the Bible, holding on to theology during a pandemic. Yes. And who <laughs> I, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and yeah. Well, when I think about this topic, reading the Bible, holding on to theology during a pandemic, mm -hmm. I want to frame this conversation in the, uh, the obvious cliche, unprecedented times mm -hmm. that we're living in. But I want to say that there hasn't been enough talk about how does one read the Bible during these times, what passages are people holding on to what difficulties are people having with reading the bible i think what i or not i think what i am observing is 
quote unquote business as normal from mm-hmm. Christians, from leaders. And there seems to be this appearance that everything, everything's going great. You know, yeah. you have pastors yeah. who just seem, wow, your times with God must be amazing, brother. Because <laughs> Ooh, buddy, I got and some I, stuff to tell yeah, you. in honesty, <laughs> yeah. people are falling apart mentally, socially, communities are fractured. And and so I wanted to bring this as an organic conversation to the table yeah. to talk about maybe some things we're doing well, some things that are giving us life, but also to talk about some of the difficulties of holding on to theological frameworks during this time, right? And um, yeah. yeah, so initially, any thoughts as we as we start this up? Yeah, um, well, for me, you know, as as my as my mom says, me and my house, it's been <laughs> it's been difficult, man. Um, this I was telling a pastor, a friend of mine, we had lunch uh, last week or so, and I was like, this has been the hardest year um, of my not just pastoring but just spiritual journey. Period. Um, <clears throat> the passages that have really been resonating with me have been the Old Testament passages, uh, Exodus. Um, and the Israelites going into Egypt and the Lord hearing their cry. Um, Job, Job, I'm walking through Job right now, and Job is really uh, speaking to me. Um, just kind of those passages of the people of God lamenting, the people of God uh, being weighed down. Um, and so for me, this, this pandemic, reading the Bible has been very difficult. Uh, for me. And as, as a pastor, people think, oh, well, you know, kind of similar. I know you were saying it in jest, but you know, oh, you must, you must have everything going. No, man, I actually, to be honest, like early this year, like I had somewhat of a, of a anxious breakdown. Um, you had mentioned business as usual. I, we, me and uh, uh, the pastors at my church, you know, we had a frank conversation. We cannot continue business as usual. Um, the way that we've been doing it, um, we have, we cannot have this, this mindset of the pastor is the essentially directs everything um, during this time. We have the anxieties of people simply trying to survive in a pandemic. They don't know if literally they don't know if they're going to see the end of the year we've i've done more funerals over this last year and a half than i typically do i normally average maybe one or two funerals a year i'm about to hit 10 funerals this year um i just did a funeral a couple weeks ago and it was just weary man like i'm i'm so tired of death I'm, i'm i'm tired of it i'm i'm tired of standing behind the pulpit and a few feet below me a loved one or someone's loved one is in the casket. I'm tired of having to have those conversations Mm -hmm. with people um, trying to say, okay, well, who's going to do the body? You know, what do you want on the pro? I'm tired of having these conversations. And I've had those conversations more than I've ever had them. Um, My church, uh, as far as kind of the social conversations, they do really well with that. My church does a great job of really accepting uh, people's differences and even listening to one another and honoring another uh, person's perspective, but trying to pastor when you have your own anxieties about the pandemic, and then you have other people and their anxieties and they bring their anxieties to you. Um, 
I reached a point in pastoring and just in my spiritual journey where I told the Lord, I, I don't know if I have enough. Uh, this was the first year uh, in pastoring that I really considered like leaving the pastorate. Um, yeah. I was like, I, I don't think I, I don't know if I can show up <laughs> at the way that people are wanting me to, or, and I think really what the issue was is showing up in the way that we've been told that we have yeah. to do church. Yeah. I think what, thank you for that vulnerability. Uh, yeah. And I think it sets the tone for this conversation because people need to hear that we know that the statistics for pastors and the pastorate and staying in the pastorate are bleak during the before times, yeah. right? Well, now we are in a time that presents death to us regularly, as you are pointing out. Death now is a part of the air that we're breathing in. And how are we responding to that? both uh, politically, socially, uh, economically, within our churches, within our individual families, uh, spiritually, in our own lives, how we're responding to death on a massive scale is, it, it is overwhelming to me. So let alone pastoring in the midst of that, we knew it was bleak before pastors yeah. sticking it out in pastorship. You, I don't need to read the specific yeah. statistics <laughs> to know it's yeah. not a good look. Yeah. So then now put death <laughs> painting everything. Mm -hmm. No, of course. It, I mean, that would be impossibly hard. Right. Yeah. And so I, I hear you for yeah. sure. Yeah. An anxiety yeah. inducing at, I mean, is the understatement of the century yeah. uh, to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, um, and so, you know, understanding, uh, so I guess the, the blessing if uh, in the midst of all of this is it has called me to really reflect on how we approach, uh, scripture, how we approach, uh, doing church during this time um you said the passages uh uh kind of i guess the the, the joys are or the the good things about the passages that we're reading uh right now we've been, i've been focusing heavily on ephesians 4 uh it's really been speaking to me verses 7 to 16 um more specifically and that's been speaking to me because as a pastor in the when you said business as usual when the pandemic kicked, I, I don't remember anything about 2020. Just, it was such a blur and it was so much being thrown Ooh, at us at my once. God. Yeah, my God. <laughs> I, mean, <on> today, I, <laughs> I, I remember, I mean, me and my wife, we bought a house, but that's like the only thing that I remember happening in 2020. Um, but as a pastor, it, I, earlier this year, when I had kind of that, that breakdown, where I told my wife, I was like, I, I got to quit everything. Like, I, I just, I have to stop. I can't keep going. As a pastor, you're not only the preacher, right? So you're preaching week in and week out. You're also, and I'm not saying this is this is right, but this is just how the American way of doing church has has led us to be. You're also financial advisor. 
you're also marriage counselor, you're also trauma counselor, your funeral director, you're you, all these different hats. And in the midst of a pandemic, the way that the American church has approached being the church and doing the church business, if you will, is not sustainable. Um, and the reason why Ephesians 4 is sticking out to me is because we cannot thrive through this pandemic if we do not rely on one another, if we do not rely on the reality that everything does not have to lie upon one person. Um, in this pandemic, everybody is in the midst of trying to survive. Everybody is in the midst of trying to make sure that they make it to the next month, make it to the next day, make it to the next morning. Uh, we cannot put more responsibilities upon that individual. And so what uh, Ephesians 4 is speaking to me is that the pastors, the apostles, the, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, they have been sent to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And the way that we have done business as usual uh, during this pandemic has been where the pastor does everything. Um, the saints come into the congregation and they see the pastor preaching um, and then they go home and then the pastor kind of does this little motivational <laughs> sermon um, and then they go home and really it's everybody has a part to play. Everybody has something yeah. to, to take the load off. And so one thing that we've been doing at our church, we have we've stopped the whole um, one way homiletical style of preaching. Uh, we have adopted what's called a dialogical model in which I'll give a, you know, myself or one of the other pastors will give a quick breakdown of what the text is saying. And then the rest of the time we're dialoguing in the congregation. Um, and we have other saints. We're elevating voices of people who they didn't even know that they could speak in, <laughs> in the church. You know, it's they say, oh, I can contribute to this conversation. And I'm like, yes, like the spirit, the same spirit that speaks to me in the midst of preaching a sermon prep, like is the same spirit in you. So you I love that you can speak. And it has been so refreshing. I think what the Lord is calling us in the midst of this pandemic is it is we are a body like we need one another in each part as Ephesians 4 says each joint is joined together perfectly so that the whole body can move and I believe the American church has been stagnant because we've put everything around this one individual who essentially is a nonprofit organization CEO and yeah. everything <laughs> revolves around yeah. him yeah and it doesn't work and we've seen the breakdown of that with yeah toxic leadership structures the fruit of that has been yeah. evidence millions of times over we've seen the fruit of that model of 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 doing things throughout american history and the yeah. fruit has not been good beloved yeah. um, <laughs> and i i you know how many times we do we have to do something before we there is a more oh, really? there is a more excellent way what's in my cup what's in my cup now's the time of the podcast where i share with you what's in my cup so for this segment of what's in my cup we are gonna do something new we're gonna highlight cultivate coffee it's gonna be a treat <laughs> Absolutely. It was it was interesting. I was uh, 
when I seen you had launched, you had kind of branched out with from three black men and you guys are doing, you still do three black men, but you have your individual podcast as well. And I seen black coffee and theology. I was like, man, it'd be great to talk about. I didn't even, you know, you know, I, I guess I put something out there for the Lord. I was just like, it'd be great to talk to Robert about coffee and theology, my two favorite topics to discuss. And here we go. Here we are. And so the Lord made it happen, but it's a cultivate coffee uh, with the K cultivate coffee company. Uh, cultivate with a K. And man, I've been a fan or a lover of coffee for years, you know, um, about six years ago, got real serious about it. You know, I, I used to drink, you know, your regular Folgers and Maxwell House, nothing against people that do that. You know, I still got my instant coffee that I make, <laughs> you know, when I'm not wanting to grind it up, but been a fan of coffee for several years now and kind of just progressed through different brew methods over the years. And, um, I remember a friend of mine took me to a specialty coffee shop here in Kansas City uh, called Oddly Correct, and that was the first time I tasted coffee without like anything added to it, really just pure organic coffee. I was like, oh, this is this is different. Um, and so over the years, I was, you know, my hobby was going to various specialty coffee shops and collecting their bags. Somehow, some way, the pen, uh, when the pandemic hit, um, coffee became this was a little expensive, especially bags cost cost a good grip. And um, a friend of mine said, hey, you can actually it's actually cheaper to roast your own beans. You just got to get a little tiny home roaster and you can roast your own beans. So I got me a little little home. Ro actually, a friend of mine gave me a home roaster. And I uh, started roasting green coffee. Literally, it's like five dollars a pound, you know, and I started roasting them at home got good at it. <laughs> uh, other people started enjoying it. And a friend of mine, uh, about a month ago, said, Hey, man, you know, everything that there is to know about roasting beans, at least to get started, you need to put this out. And you know, I have imposter syndrome, I'm like, nobody's gonna like my beans. I don't, you know, I don't feel adequate enough to run a business. He was like, you know, skip all that, put start this business. Um, so I started the company about a month ago. Um, and man, the response has been overwhelming. Um, I, I, I have your beans roasted, ready to be put in the mail. So they're coming to you. Uh, That's what here I'm soon. talking about. <laughs> I, I put, I placed my order cause we support yeah. black business. <laughs> yes, sir. I may, I may throw a little extra bag in there for you, man, just as a thank you for having me on the podcast. And, uh, so I've, I started this business and the response has been overwhelming. Um, people, the Lord is really showing me that this is a lane that I'm supposed to, to be in. And, and for a, for a product that comes from Africa, there isn't a lot of black faces in the coffee industry, um, let alone a lot of people of color in the coffee industry. And I've, the Lord has collect, connected me with a lot of uh, black coffee roasters, uh, Maurice Henderson in, in Memphis. He runs Coffee Black. Uh, I've been connected with uh, uh, Dre Murray, who runs I Found Black Gold Coffee, uh, Portrait Coffee. I mean, just all of these different black coffee roasters, especially a few here in the Kansas City area as well. And um, the response has been overwhelming. So about a, about a month into this business thing, and every month the Lord has, you know, allowed it to exceed my expectations for the month. And um, so, yeah, Cultivate Coffee, www.cultivatecoffee.com. Get you a bag, spread the word, and continue to support Black-owned coffee. 
Um, And so I love you digging into that passage in Ephesians and something I said at the beginning of the pandemic is I I hope that pastors will learn something in the midst of this trying Mm -hmm. time because for many people, I am a chronically ill and someone who's in chronic Mm -hmm. pain, the way of doing church before the pandemic was toxic to our being wow. um, yeah. already. And so some of the lessons that pastors are having to learn, people who were multiply marginalized is a uh, mm. term Kwak Puilan, uh, the theologian, she puts it. Mm-hmm. Those of us who are multiply marginalized, we could have t- told you that. Wow. Um, and if you would have inclined, you're not you particularly. Yeah, this isn't a well, punch. I, just, I, I, I understand. <laughs> you, you're like, whoa. Um, <laughs> you, generally speaking, Pastor yeah, yeah, Ship, yeah. Uh, would have listened. These structures could have changed to yeah. benefit all, to serve all, to give light to all already. But now we found ourselves in the trying time and now having to get ready right? It's the voice of the bridegroom that came in the dark, in the night. And now you're trying to get ready. (laughs) Now you try to get your lamp ready. Um, But the voice of the multiply marginalized were already there in their, their, their bodies were a witness that the systems weren't working anyway. Right. Right. And there was wisdom to be had from, from the elderly who were not being listened to, to the women, to, you know, all these people who could have said, Hey, this is not work to this therapist in the midst who could have said, Hey, one man being at the center of all this probably. Yes. (laughs) I have a question. This doesn't make sense. Uh, Pick me, pick me. But now it's now it's not a, I told you so now it is a together. What can we frame? Right. to make a better way forward is something that I'm thinking. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, and you had asked kind of the theologies that kind of holding on to, um, I've really been revisiting this, the theology of my upbringing, um, came up in the black church, uh, Park Avenue missionary Baptist church, uh, was my home church. And my theological journey has been, a diverse one, if you will. Um, Starting the black church and missionary Baptist, then we had a little bit of Pentecostal and Kojic thrown in there. And then we went to non-denominational, uh, which is still kind of a denomination at the end of, end of the day. And, and then we kind of transitioned. I did a little bit of dip my uh, toes in reform theology. And now it's like taking all of those, all of that and putting it together. But I've been finding myself going back to just the theology of my upbringing, how in the black church, it, you did have the pastor, but you, but everybody played a part in the, in the delivery of the gospel. Um, You had the deacons getting up leading devotion, like a lot of the church don't do devotion anymore right before the service. So that deacon in his brown suit with his high water pants on, you know, he go get up and he go say, he going to sing, Sing something that the Lord put on his heart. You're going to have his scripture. <laughs> and then you got My the mother. God on today. Hey, man. 
you're going to have the motherboard. She's going to get up and give her testimony. Um, even had the children's choir, even the children played a part um, in the service. And somewhere along the line, we created this structure. Um, and honestly, I'm just going to be quite candid. I think whiteness came in. And, and spe specifically for my life, whiteness came in and told me that the way that I was brought up in the church was not the right way, um, that it was false teaching, right? It wasn't because it didn't appeal to slaveholder religion. That's where that reformed theology came in, into play um, mm -hmm. in my life. Um, and, I, and I got away from that and kind of operated in that way. And then, you know, in the midst of my kind of breakdown period i said wait a minute th these these traditions shaped me like these traditions molded me i was my my pastor man i was 15 and my pastor was like giving me opportunities to you know share what the lord has placed upon my heart and we don't do anything with our children now everything is upon this one person i know the lord is working in the lives of these members but we don't give an, a, a space for them to share their testimonies. You know, last Sunday we had a testimony of a member who literally was near death. Uh, they had a heart attack. Um, and, but they shared how the Lord brought them back and healed them um, and healed their body. And you hear that so often um, in the black church. And so I think kind of where we are during this pandemic um, is that uh, you, you had talked about the, uh, the mar uh, multiple was it multiple marginalized multiply marginalized yeah multiply multiply marginalized people um similar to what you're saying is that the lord's saying look at how these people like look at how they have how they are interacting with me look at how what the listen to the voices that they are using um and that they are the words that they are saying and what they're crying out um and so it's just hitting a big reset so that's i know i've given a long answer no that's yeah, that's, that's good i don't know you're good yeah. what i like about that is it there's so much to learn in the traditions of our youth and the traditions mm -hmm. of that which has shaped and raised us and it doesn't mean that everything about those traditions can move into the future because some of the a lot of those traditions need to be interrogated yeah. right some of those need to be broken down right the thing about whiteness is the broad strokes it will paint over all of it and label it and then give you a whole new tradition yeah to uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> to dominate over what you came from but it'll give yeah. this new way as the most godly and biblical way yeah and and in reality both need to be interrogated but what's yeah. interesting is what is given to you in your right hand as no this is the most biblical way yeah throw all of that away and if anything yeah there were things in there there you know of course when we say black church, we are not unaware that there aren't things in the black church right, that are toxic, that are um, that that hinder, that uh, would uh, snuff out the spirit of God. Right? We know that, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. we also know that in some of these other spaces, um, 
yeah, it's not equal, right? It's in some of these other spaces that have tried to make us believe that everything about these hands that shaped us. um, No, there was a lot of beauty. There was a lot of life. There was a lot of um, theology that might've been hidden that you might not have caught when you were younger is kind of what I hear from you. Yeah. But you're actually picking up the orthopraxy at work and you're you're it was actually more profound than we were aware of right absolutely and it's beautiful right and so something that i wanted to say is um for me i i think during this time i've gotten a lot simple in my bible reading of course i resonate with what you're saying about the difficulty of this time Mm-hmm. Um, the death component of this time, I really resonate with that. I have been reading the Psalms nonstop mm-hmm. since 2011. So the core of my devotional reading has been the Psalms. And mm-hmm. so I have, I read through the Bible cover to cover many times since I got saved. Yes. But since 2011, I have uh, went through many, many traumatic storms. And mm-hmm. what I, I found that I needed, especially in highly intense times, to have something that I could hold on to, where I could wake up every day. And I didn't have to think I could just, mm-hmm. what was the last thing I read? Was it Psalms five? Okay, I'm in Psalm six today. And while some people have these intense Bible reading plans that are like, um, I'm reading through the Bible in a year. There has been something that I found the beauty of sitting with a yeah. book of the Bible for that long. You know, that was yeah. 2011, it's 2020, and I've still been in the same book. Yes, have yeah. I read other books of the Bible since 2011? Yes, but the core of what I, you know, I might read the book of Joel today and then yeah. guess what? Right back where I'll be in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I saw it. I'll read the book of Hebrews. I'm like, man, I'm loving this. This is so beautiful. Guess what? I'll be right back in tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> Psalms, it, because what it does is it has shaped in me this um, refuge for me. And when things are very chaotic, at least I can hold on to something and it's yeah. very simple. And I feel like my faith is, very childlike in that way. I can't, you know, I can't hold on to a ton of things. The world is burning, beloved. I, so for me, I'm just like, I can read the Psalms. I can, you know, I, I don't know how everyone else is doing out here. We are not okay. So (laughs) Robert over here in this house is not okay. But what I can do is wake up in the morning and read the Psalms. Mm. So if you're wondering, what is Robert doing this morning? In the Psalms. He's he's in the Psalms. (laughs) You do not have to wonder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I found for me, like anchoring in one book of the Bible for has helped me prepare for this moment. Yeah. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Yeah, um, that's similar for me, you know, like Job, like I've, I haven't, now I haven't been Job for 10 years, like you've been in the song. It's but, okay. <laughs> I'm a simple no, man. I, hey, I don't know that everyone should do this. This is just me. I'm so No, nah, man. You know, but I, honestly, that's something just to consider. I've never really camped out in a uh, book of the Bible for an extended period of time. Um, I've read many book of the Bibles, you know, back to back, but I haven't 
really camped and like set and steeped myself into a, just one particular book. So that's something to consider. Um, but during this, let me, let me say this, sorry. Um, Cause that this just triggered this thought. I think initially when I started doing it, it wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have a long, a long-term goal mm-hmm. in mind. If I can be very honest, yeah. um, it was during a portion of my life that I just needed an anchor. I had been reading the Bible cover to cover, cover to cover, cover to cover, but I wanted to sit devotionally and spiritually and just dig into some of the meat mm-hmm. and Psalms. And so I read, you know, from Psalm one, all the way t- to the, to the last Psalm yeah. uh, over a certain amount of time. And then that was so enjoyable that then I went back yeah. and back and back and back. And I look up a year had passed and then I felt this pressure that I want to be a deep Christian. And this was, I was in some reformed ish <laughs> circles yeah. that I, I don't want to be one of those Christians. I want to yeah. be like a real man of God. Um, <laughs> man you know, of God. <laughs> yeah. I want to be a man of God. I want to know the whole Bible, Yeah, but it was, it, I found what it was doing in me, the space that was creating in me to comprehend who God was in this portion of scripture Mm -hmm. was helping unlock different other different portions of the Bible and helping me interrogate other portions of the Bible Mm -hmm. uh, because of the theology that is within Mm -hmm. in the Psalms right Um, especially of the New Testament but even how the Old Testament is contained within it right Mm -hmm. so but then I looked up, it was like three years later and yeah. I thought, okay, now it's time. You got to get off the training wheels and get me a real man. Yeah. Um, and so now <laughs> here we are. Um, and I, so originally just full disclosure, it wasn't meant to be yeah, yeah. Uh, this 10 year project. But, um, yeah. We're here now, but go ahead. No, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I, I had for a lot of my Bible reading pre pandemic uh, camp, i camped out heavily in the new testament um largely because a lot of our sermon uh topics and series kind of were drawn from the new testament but here in the in, during the pandemic i have just heavily returned to the old testament um there's just a beauty uh, especially i keep mentioning job like there's just job is so encouraging because there are so many things that happen in life and you have no idea why they're happening and why they're going the way that they're going and job he has a confidence knowing that he's that he's done things right he's like i have not sinned against god like i i i am i'm doing what i'm quote unquote supposed to do but even in the midst of life's storms job it says i'm i'm still not going to curse god i'm still not going to fix my lips now, Job definitely questioned him, like why he's not afraid to do that. Um, but he's, he says, I'm not going to fix my lips. And there's been a lot of things during this pandemic. I'm like, well, why? Like, why are we experiencing um, COVID-19? Like, why? Why are we experiencing such of this, especially within the, specifically in the church, this hatred towards one another? Um, why are we experiencing um why are people having to experience this abuse and why am I experiencing this anxiety and this depression and 
you know, thing. And some of it's even spilling into like personal life. Like why is all of this going on? And Job, the way that he handles, um, the way that he handles uh, storms in life and trials has been very encouraging as I approach my life. And it's helped me just as I interact with those who are members here at KVC, um, just to give them freedom um, to cry, give them freedom to lament. Um, I've been looking at the minor prophets. I've been looking at um, lamentations, pretty much all up and down through the Old Testament. And it's really just a people, an oppressed people, constantly um, assaulted on every side. But God is still there in the midst uh, that God is still he's reminding me that he's still a deliverer. He's reminding me that he is still the one who sits on the throne. He is reminding me that just like he was with the Israelites in the pillar of fire and the cloud by day, that he is with me. He's reminding me of the promises that he will never leave me nor forsake me, that this is not this was not just something that popped up in the New Testament, but he's been the same God that he was in Genesis. He's the same God today, the same God that delivered the delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians is the same God today. Um, And so he's just reminding me of his goodness uh, during this pandemic. And as I the thing that my mind and my flesh tries to. Uh, blind me to is the reality of God working um, and God moving, even in the midst of all of this death, in the midst of all of this pain and suffering that the world is collectively feeling. Um, God is reminding me that He's still there, um, and that, yeah, that He's He's yeah. that He is a very near God. I love that. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, verses 129 and 130. Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for, for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.